Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikbat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. We are located at the corner of Boulevard and Grove, across from the Art Museum. For more information, you can visit our website at tikvatisrael.com. There, you can support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and contact us with any questions or comments. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Um, this Shabbat is Shabbat Shuva. We're the in-between Shabbat between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Today, I would like to speak to you about something that relates to our season of repentance. And a lot of times when we think about repentance and stuff, sometimes in life we can feel discouraged. So I want to speak to you this morning about defeating discouragement. You know, if you think the same thing over and over again, you're not going to change things in your life. You know, you've heard the definition, uh, doing the same thing over and over again. What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Well, you you think the same things over and over again, you're not going to change anything. But the Bible relates changing your mind to repentance, changing your thinking to repentance. You know, the Hebrew word for repentance is teshuva, teshuva. Teshuva literally means return. Hmm. Now, if teshuva, repentance, means return, guess what the Hebrew word for sin is? Well, it's the word chet, C-H-E-T, chet. Chet literally means to go astray. So if you're sinning and you're going astray, when you repent, you return. You return to the Lord. Sinning is straying or wandering. It makes sense that the word for repentance would be returning. It is a change of heart, an atonement. Anytime you change your mind from the way you see things or return to the way God sees them, it's repentance. It's teshuva. Our life as followers of Yeshua is to think less and less our way and think more and more God's way. Because our way of thinking is shaped, let's face it, by our background, the way we are raised, our experiences in our lives, our genetic makeup, our hereditary. All these things, our culture, influences the way we think. Whereas God's way is based on the truth. What he has set down through the ages, set down through eternity. God's way is truth. Our way tends to be circumstantial. The more I can get God's truth in my life, the more I can repent, I can return and change my thinking. And it's going to result in a better life. I want us to look this morning specifically about changing your mind about the things that discourage you. I meet many people that tend to be discouraged. And these are people that love God, believe in God, yet they get discouraged. They feel like there's so much negative in the world. And let's face it, we hear it all on TV, in the news, 
We hear trouble. We have troubles at work. We have troubles with family. We have trouble with our friends. Are there troubles in the world? Oh, yes. Are they the worst that they've ever been? This is really bad times? Really? I don't think so. Wars, rumors of wars, economic downturns, are they bad things in this world? Yes. Have there been wars? Yes. Have there been economic downturns? Oh, yeah. Over the ages, there have been all kinds of wars, battles, downturns, uh, you know, weather problems, you know, you know, calamities happening. We're always going to have them because mankind chooses the way, his way rather than God's way. So how do you defeat discouragement in your life? Discouragement can be debilitating. You can end up giving up trying. You can end up giving up caring. You can end up giving up hope. Let's look at some discussions on discouragement in the Bible. Our first reference I want to look at is Exodus chapter 6, verse 9. Now, you have to understand this situation. God has just spoke to Moses. He said, look, the children of Israel, I know they're enslaved, but I'm going to deliver them out of Egypt. I'm going to deliver them out of this enslavement, this bondage, these horrible conditions. Tells them all what he's going to do, and Moses tells the people. But here's how they respond. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. They were still discouraged, even though God told them, listen, I'm going to get you out of this. They still felt enslaved. What's enslaving you? What burden is weighing you down? They couldn't hear God because they were so burdened, so downtrodden with their circumstances at the time. Do you know even King David got discouraged at times? An example, let's look at Psalm 42.5. He says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? But David answers his own question. He says, I put my hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. You see, he answered his own question. He says, I put my hope in God. Anytime you are discouraged, you need to change your thoughts, change your focus. The Apostle Paul has some really great instruction on how to overcome discouragement. And you think you have a tough life? How about what he endured to bring forth the good news of Yeshua to his fellow countrymen and to bring it through throughout the Roman Empire? Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 28, and we'll read here. In labors much more, in prisons much more, in beatings more brutal, near death often, five times from the Jewish leaders I received 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I spent in the open sea. In many journeys, I have been in dangers from rivers, 
Dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the desert, dangers in the sea, dangers from among false brothers, and labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, and hunger and thirst, often without food, and cold and exposure. He says, besides these things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all of Messiah's communities. And you think you got problems? If anyone had a right to be discouraged, it was Paul. See all the things he'd been through? A lot of physical calamities, danger of his life, severe hardships. And then he says, oh, by the way, I have the burden of the whole uh, Messianic communities throughout the Roman Empire here. But yet it's Paul who gives us keys to overcoming discouragement. And I'm going to show you seven keys to overcoming discouragement right now in the next few minutes. And they're all in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and they're all encouragement and overcoming discouragement that the Apostle Paul gives us. Okay, here's key number one. Never forget how much God loves you. Never forget how much God loves you. Everything in life flows out of the love of God. The mercy of God, the grace of God. Now, you know God loves you, right? You hear it all the time. You hear it right here in this shul. You read it in his word. But I have to ask you, do you feel it? Do you really believe it? 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1. Paul says, for this reason, since we have this ministry, just as we received mercy... We do not lose heart. Paul remembered the mercy of God. Everything you have in life is a gift of the mercy of God. What's mercy? What's mercy, you ask? Well, it's a lot of things. But it means God gives me what I need, not what I deserve. Mercy is undeserved favor. God gives me what I need, not what I deserve. God knows every mistake in, his life, in my life, and he created my life. That's mercy. You know, we just had the Tash Leaf service at the river on Rosh Hashanah. And I couldn't help but think when I got that bag full of breadcrumbs, I should be throwing out a whole loaf of bread here instead of just this little bag for all the things I need to repent for in my life. You know, when you get discouraged... You stop feeling the love of God. Listen, I got to say this. I know many people who have been followers of Yeshua for many years, yet they don't feel God's love because they think God speaks to them in a critical voice all the time. They think God's mad at them all the time. It's, if, it's, it's like God is standing behind them, ready to head slap them every time they mess up. You know, bam, you did it again. Bam, you messed up. God's not like that. If you hear that kind of a negative voice all the time from God, that's not God. I'm sorry. The number one purpose in your life, believe it or not, is not to do good. The number one commandment God has for you is to love him, to love God. And number two is to love your neighbor as yourself. And by extension, I say, you need to let God love you. 
because he first loved us. That's stated in his word. That's, that's his promise. You got to let God love you. Letting God loves you gets you off the performance mill, gets you off the rat race. It also stops you from wallowing in your fa failures. Never forget that God loves you. Number two, don't try to fake it. Be yourself. Nothing is more discouraging than trying to be something or someone that you're not. When you wear a mask, when you try to pose, that gets tiring over time. Being afraid, oh, they're going to get to know the real me, and they're not going to like the real me. God didn't make you to be someone else. When you get to heaven, God is not going to say, hey, why weren't you more like your sister? Why weren't you more like your brother? Why weren't you more like your mom or dad? Or why weren't you like you know, Rabbi Dan Juster or more like Billy Graham? God's not blessing fakes and phonies. God put you on earth, and he made you to be who you are. God really looks down and says, that's my boy. That's my girl. He loves you. 2 Corinthians 4, now verse 2. Paul's got all these keys here. He says, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Paul is saying, hey, we speak the truth. We speak the truth in love. He says, I got nothing to hide. This is who I am. And the good news of the Yeshua is the Messiah. There's no trickery or deception here. He speaks the truth in love. Nothing is harder for, than for you to try to please everyone. Hey, even God can't please everyone. There's someone who's always going to be grumbling and complaining. Tomorrow in the football game between the Redskins and the Patriots, somebody's going to win. They can't both win. Somebody's going to be happy, and somebody's going to be mad or sad or upset. Only one team can win. Same thing. Some people want rain. Some people don't want it to rain. Somebody's always going to be unhappy. You don't have to be perfect for God to bless you. But you do need to be real. Be authentic. Be yourself. Look. I'm by no means perfect. Just ask, my, just ask my wife. Yes, the one laughing in the back. But I'm here to tell you, if God blesses even me, in spite of my screw-ups and mess-ups and mistakes, he can certainly bless you. You're not that bad. What keeps you from being real? It's fear. It's fear that people are going to find out what you're really like. They're not going to like me. It's fear of rejection. What's the antidote for fear of rejection? It goes back to point number one. Never forget that God loves you. So if God loves you, number one. Number two, be yourself. Number three, remember, it's not about me. The more self-conscious you get, the more you think everything just kind of revolves around you. 
the more you will get prideful, tends to become more fearful, and then you end up being bitter. When you think everything is about you, it's easy to get your feelings hurt. Okay, what does Paul say? 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5. For we do not proclaim ourselves, but Messiah Yeshua as Lord, and ourselves as your slaves for Yeshua's sake. He's saying it's not about us. He's saying we're your servants. We're working as servants to you guys for the Lord. You have a message to tell. It's the Lord's message, and he's given it to you. Everything in the world today tends to be geared towards me. It's all about have it your way. Do you deserve a break today? We do it all for you. You are number one. I'm worth it. It's all me, 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 and advertisements on TV and your music, shows, everything. If we keep focusing on the me, that's where we're going to get discouraged. Hey, God is always more interested in why you do rather than what you do. He cares about the motivation. He cares about the heart. When we forget the why, that's when we tend to get discouraged. Why did you take this career path? Why did you marry this person? When we forget the why, we tend to get discouraged. It's not all about me. Number four, relax in your limitations. You get discouraged when you try to do more than what you're capable of. You can't fix every problem. You can't be in two places at once. You can't spend money that you don't have. That's called debt. It can be easier to fill up your schedule rather than to fulfill your schedule. It's easier to make a promise than keep a promise. It's easier to get into debt than get out of debt. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7 now. We have this treasure in jars of clay so that the surpassing greatness of the power may be from God and not from ourselves. Now, pottery, jars of clay. Remember there was a band years ago, jars of clay? Jars of clay can be big. They can be small. They can be very plain. They can be very fancy, ornate shapes. They can be all kinds of colors. They can just be very plain. But clay pots have all, all have one thing in common. What's that? They break easy. They break easy. Hey, we all have cracks because we've all been dropped one time or another. But you know what? God always puts his greatest gifts in the weakest vessel. You ever notice that? That's how we end up knowing that it's God working in this person. It's not them. It's not their greatness. It's God that's working in them. They couldn't have done it on their own. There are examples through the Bible of this. I mean, Moses, Jacob, Gideon, David, you go down the list. These guys were not superhuman, but they were just all open to listen, to obey God. 
If God only used perfect people, nothing would ever get done because there aren't any perfect people. I'm not a speaker. I don't have the gift of gab. If you told me when I was younger, when I was like 21, that one day I'd be giving a sermon before a congregation, I'd say, you're crazy. You're nuts. I used to be terrified just even to raise my hand and answer a question in school. But it's not about me. And when God gives you a message, you got to get it out. It's not my abilities. It's just getting God's message out. Paul says, I glory in my weaknesses because when I am weak, that's when Messiah is strong. Listen to me. The, God, the, the Messiah came to earth as a baby, born in a barn. Talk about confounding the world. He ended up being the son of a simple, simple couple from Nazareth. Not Jerusalem, not even Judea, way up north in Galilee. God uses situations like this. God uses imperfect people like David and Moses and Jacob. Because it's not, it's not about themselves. It's about God. We're all a mixture of strengths and weaknesses. I have some strengths and I have some major weaknesses. We're all mixed. Humility is not denying your strengths. It's about being honest about your weaknesses. It's not about thinking less of yourself. It's about thinking of yourself less. I say that again. It's not about thinking less of yourself. It's about thinking of yourself less. It's the difference between walking into a room of people and thinking, well, how do I look? What kind of an impression am I going to make? Will they like me? Rather, it's thinking who here could use my encouragement? Who needs someone to talk to? That's humility. You know, I think it's possible to be spiritually godly and emotionally dysfunctional at the same time. People can be full of biblical knowledge and still be messed up emotionally. Relax. Let God do it. Relax in your limitations. Let him do it. Number five. Use my pain to help others. Use my pain to help others. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 and 9. He says, We're hard-pressed in every way, yet not crushed, perplexed, yet not in despair, persecuted, not forsaken, struck down, yet not destroyed. Does anybody recognize some of this, the words in this verse to a song that we do here a lot? And we just sang it on Rosh Hashanah. It's called Trading My Sorrows. I am pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. I am blessed beyond the curse for his promise will endure and his joy is going to be my strength. Though the sorrow might last, his joy comes with the morning. I'm trading my sorrows, I'm trading my shame, I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. Laying them down. We never give up. If you get knocked down, get up again. Now, if you were to ask Paul, why did you put up with all that stuff? The beatings, the hunger, the shipwreck, the being rejected, all that stuff. He'd say, hey guys, it was for your benefit I did that. 
He says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 15, for all your sakes, so that the grace that is spreading through more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Paul says, I don't get discouraged because I know it's helping others. Study after study have shown that humans can endure pain, endure hardship, endure difficulties when there is a purpose, when there is a reason, when there is a benefit. If you ever read the writings of Dr. Viktor Frankl, a Jewish psychiatrist who survived the Holocaust and wrote the book, Man's Search for Meaning, he, he endured Auschwitz and Dachau, and he endured when many younger and stronger men didn't survive. But he had meaning and purpose in his life. He looked forward to something. And that suffering he endured, he was able to teach other people and convey the message to others. What is it in your life that you can use to help other people? Why waste it? It's difficult when you suffer loss, when you lose a loved one, when you feel hurt, when you've been rejected. But that suffering, that rejection, that hurt, you can use that in your life to minister to other people. Your greatest ministry can really come out of some of your deepest hurt. Hey, the world is broken. There's pain and suffering here. This is not heaven. That is to come. Paul used his pain to help others, and you can too. Number six, take some time for renewal. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though our outward man is decaying, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. Be renewed every day. You can't stop the aging process, but you can renew yourself inside. On the outside, you get older and older. Hey, how do you renew yourself? Spending time in prayer, time in God's Word, meditating on the Lord. Take time to renew, to relax. Take a walk. Spend some time in God's creation. Worship, pray, sing, rejoice. It's renewing and it changes your mind. And the last point is number seven. Stay focused on eternity. Verses 17 and 18 of chapter, of chapter 4. Paul says, For our trouble, light and momentary, is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. As we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what we can see is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. Remember again, this is the guy who was beaten, whipped, starved, robbed, imprisoned. Had a lot of bad things happen to him. And you know what he says? Eh, our present troubles are kind of light and momentary. Momentary. What you see may trouble you. But the joys to come are going to last forever. This life is not all there is. That is how Yeshua endured the execution stake. 
he was able to go through that. In spite of that horrible, agonizing death, he knew what was to come. He knew what his father had in store for him. The resurrection. You know, you have really so much going for you. You have the love of God. You have his son, Yeshua. You have the good news. Nothing and nobody can take that away from you. Stay focused on eternity. Do not be discouraged. You have so much to offer. You have so much to offer your brothers and sisters. God made you. Your life has meaning. Meaning. God is looking at you and saying, that's my son. That's my daughter. I love him. I love her. Shabbat shalom. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time of repentance and renewal and restoration to you, Lord. We have the truth of your word, your promises. Lord, help us not to focus on these temporal things, but look to the eternal and our eternal life with you and your son, Yeshua. Amen.